So many of you know that I, I spent my first four years as a priest in the town of Mansfield. And Mansfield uh, is known, I think, for mainly one thing. Now, I, I have to be mindful of on the live stream. I know I have some former parishioners from Mansfield watching. And so you're also a great part of Mansfield, I might add. But the city is known really for one main thing, which is it's the main location that the movie Shawshank Redemption was filmed. Raise your hand if you've seen the movie Shawshank Redemption. I hope most of you have. But if you haven't, you should. It's one of the classics. It's routinely ranked like in the top five of all movies. I loved it before I got to Mansfield, and then when I got to Mansfield, it's like living there's like a steady dose of constant, constant Shawshank references. So most of the film was, uh, was shot there at the old reformatory, which you can do tours of, which I'd recommend. Um, and then there are some outskirts in town where they filmed certain things. And one of the things they filmed at a tree uh, outside of town is one of those last scenes from Shawshank Redemption. You might remember it. And it's what I always think of with the gospel that begins today, uh, that a man finds a treasure buried in a field. And if you remember that scene, it's kind of sad. That tree uh, was struck by lightning in 2011 and kind of cut in half. And then in 2016, they just removed uh, the entire tree. But I used to go out uh, and visit that tree whenever I had guests in town. They wanted to go see the tree from Shawshank Redemption. But if you remember one of those last scenes in the movie, before Andy, Tim Robbins, uh, sort of plots his escape, he leaves Red, Morgan Freeman, uh, with these instructions that after Morgan Freeman gets out, he's to go to a specific farm, find a specific oak tree, and then he's to find a, a rock wall that leads up to that tree, and he's to look for a, a volcanic rock that looks out of place, and under that rock will be a tin can, and in that he will find what to do. He'll find his treasure. And so, of course, Red gets out after 40 years. The parole board lets him out, and he goes to that farm and he finds that oak tree, and he finds that rock wall, and he finds that volcanic rock, and he finds the tin can, and he sits down to see what the contents are. And of course, in, in this case, the treasure is money. And if you remember, he sort of looks around like there's going to be people uh, seeing him there out with a bunch of cash in the middle of a field, but then a little letter from Andy directing him where to go to meet at that little town in Mexico. I can never pronounce the name right. What is the, what's the town called? Lahuatanego or something like that. I always butcher it. Um, that little town that they're to meet in as their sort of final destination. I think that scene uh, teaches us a number of things from our readings today about the spiritual life and about what it means to hold the treasure of our faith in Christ. The first is that Red had to know where to look. He had to receive some guidance on where to find the treasure. Like if Andy had just said, go find any farm outside of town and, and any oak tree and any rock wall, right? It's unlikely Andy finds or Red finds the treasure. But instead, Andy gives him very specific instructions. This farm, this tree, this rock wall, this volcanic rock. And similarly, sometimes we have to be directed on where to look to find treasure. Right? We don't always find it easily and spontaneously. Sometimes we need guidance to keep us on the right path toward the treasure. 
Sometimes because of our sins, we get detoured. Sometimes because of life circumstances, we get detoured. Sometimes because of things beyond our control, we get detoured. And we need constantly other people and the church and other people that hold us accountable to constantly be doing what the GPS system does, to reroute, reroute, reroute. Get back on the narrow path to finding the treasure. We sometimes are called to be that for others, to help them navigate, to help find them, to help them to find the treasure. So, first of all, Red had to know where to look. And we constantly need to be aware in our own lives that we can get detoured and that we need others, right? We need the church to keep us accountable to moving toward the treasure. The second thing we learn is that after he finds the treasure, that money and that, those instructions become the kind of compass to get him to his final destination. In this case, it's a, it's a geographical compass. It's how to get to this little town in Mexico that he's going to reunite with Andy. But for us to see the treasure as our faith, what Christ has offered to us, becomes then the compass by which we interpret and by which we navigate all the other aspects of life. It becomes the main frame of reference, the main organizing principle that guides our life. It helps us to determine what we should be seeking after. This is what God is so impressed with in our first reading with Solomon. Because God gives Solomon like, like a genie opportunity. He's like, I'll grant you any request you want. Any request you want. Right? And if you think about that, I remember like thinking as a little kid with the Aladdin movie, like, what would I wish for? Right? And I still do that. And I still think I would probably, unfortunately, select material things half the time. But what God's so impressed with, with Solomon, he says, God, I just want a, I just want a wise and understanding heart. I just want to be able to understand things like you understand things. I want to be able to see the world from a divine point of view, from a divine perspective, with spiritual vision. That's all I want. I want wisdom and understanding like you have. And God's incredibly impressed. Because God's like, you know, you could have said, and most people would say, like, health, long life, riches, material prosperity, revenge on your enemies, all of the things that we might say, oh yeah, that's what I want. Solomon says, no, no, I don't want anything in my own self-interest. I want a wise and understanding heart to see the world as God sees the world. That that becomes my compass, God's vision. And so having the compass, the treasure of Christ, enables us to see the world from a different perspective, from a divine worldview, to seek the things that are actually meaningful, that we find out that we're not totally fulfilled as the ultimate ground of our existence in wealth or in honor or prestige and pleasure. We're ultimately fulfilled only in uniting and joining ourselves with God. The final thing is that this treasure gives red hope in the midst of the uncertainties of what lies before him. One of the difficult things, and I, I worked in prison ministry in Mansfield for four years, and a lot of the guys who were in for long periods of time will tell you, just like Red says earlier in the, in the movie, he says, 
I'm not, like, I don't want to leave. I know how life works inside. Right? He, he talks about becoming institutionalized and that you become more comfortable with life on the inside than life on the outside. And I can't tell you how many guys I ministered to in those four years who had been in for decades who said, I'm not sure I want to leave. I know how to navigate life in here. I'm not sure I'll ever know how to navigate life on the, the complexities of life on the outside. And if you remember from the movie, Red is going through that. As soon as he gets out on parole, he stays in that little hotel room and he sees the name of Brooks who has taken his own life. And he's grappling with how am I going to figure out life on the outside. And then as he reads Andy Dufresne's letter, Andy says in the letter, if you remember, Andy says, hope is a good thing. Maybe even the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. Hope is a good thing, maybe even the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. And it's those words that, that propels Red out of his feeling of uncertainty and despair in order to press him forward to get to the final destination of this little town in Mexico. Similar for us, the treasure of Christ becomes our hope in the midst of the uncertainties of the world, in the midst of the difficulties that we're all facing, in the midst of not literally knowing how to navigate our futures and what our future is going to hold. We need to know that Christ is our hope, that the treasure provides us a hope that he's always going to be there even when we don't know what to expect. And in fact, that's the only way to understand what Paul says in the second reading today, which is a crazy passage that we should grapple with. Paul says, we know that all things work for good for those who love God. And I don't know about you, but I object. I'm like, nope, wrong. You're wrong, Paul. Nope. No, because I, I love God and all things don't seem to work out good for me. Right? That can only be true from the standpoint of hope. That can only be true to see everything that happens to us as God allowing it to be an opportunity to grow in love. That can only be true as if we see all the tough stuff of our life, as bad as it is, forming us into a better lover of God and neighbor. That's what Paul has to mean, because he can't mean that everything is good. But he can mean that from the divine perspective, we can allow everything that happens to us to be an opportunity to encounter God's heart. It can be an opportunity to encounter solidarity with others. It can be an opportunity to become more human. It can become an opportunity to become more fit for the love of God. So hope. We need hope today maybe more than ever. So, friends, we have this treasure. And our treasure is Jesus. It's much better than the contents of a tin box. It's much better than cash and a, and a bus ticket to a little town in Mexico. And the Gospel calls us to invest everything in it. That if we find that treasure, to give everything in pursuit of that, that that becomes the central organizing principle of our life. That we can't compartmentalize our relationship with God. We can't put it on a shelf. We can't say that it's just one of the hobbies that we do with all of the other hobbies. It has to be our main reference point the interpretive lens by which we see everything else. Sometimes we need to know where to look. 
We need others to help us with that. Sometimes we have to help others to find that treasure. It helps to form our priorities and give us a compass and a direction and a purpose in life. And it supplies us and consoles us with the hope that God can bring incredible good even out of some of the most difficult circumstances. Because hope is a good thing. Maybe even the best of things. And no good thing ever dies.